Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Ball Caps and Bagpipes, a Scottish baseball podcast. I'm John McKellar, a former outfielder of the Glasgow Comets. And I'm Jason Durs, Baseball Scotland Hall of Famer. Today, uh, Jason, we have on the show the current Baseball Scotland president, uh, Paul Convoy. Yes, excited. Paul took over from me two years ago. He's been doing a great job, and they just wrapped up the season, and they had the awards show, so I'm looking forward to hearing about who won which award from which teams. Indeed, it's going to be great to have a chat with him. Um, it's going to be our first chance to do so uh, with him as president, obviously with the show being still in its infancy. Um, so let's get right in about things. Uh, before we get into a conversation with Paul, you wanted to discuss the London Series 2020. Tickets went on sale, so it's been interesting. I went last year, went to both games, spent a lot of time uh, with my friends trying to get tickets. Tickets have not sold out yet. What do you think? Do you think it's going to sell out this year, or do you think a Cubs-Cardinal rivalry is a tougher sell compared to the Yankees-Red Sox? I mean, it's like I was saying. Um, it's like I was saying. I was saying to. I made two points off here before we got started, and I'll reiterate them here. The first being that I don't necessarily think that. Cubs and Cardinals is as well known a rivalry as Yankees Red Sox is outside of the kind of diehards over here who might watch baseball on a regular basis. Um, so I think from that standpoint, there's going to be less. There's going to be less of a, a chance of kind of just casual fans from over here making the trip to London, especially considering that the prices are are no are no lower this year. Yeah. Um, the yep. second, sorry. They have gone up. They've actually gone up. They have gone up. <laughs> Not by much. It's about nine or ten towns, but they have yeah. gone up. I mean, again, that's, you know, the market this past year was a huge market. It was East Coast. It was the two kind of bitterest rivals in baseball history, a, a rivalry that people who don't even watch baseball know about. Uh, so it made sense for the tickets in a way to, to be more expensive, but for to go up for this is head-scratching. The other point I was going to make, um, honestly, the games this past summer absolutely sucked in terms of quality. So I don't think it's as likely that you're going to see a bunch of people from the States making the trip over. I think that the novelty will have uh, worn off for the most part. <laughs> this past summer, um, it was it was kind of embarrassing, I, I, I found. Um, I wasn't at the games, so I, obviously I can't speak to what the atmosphere would have been like. Uh, much uh, kind of unlike yourself, you you went to both games as you mentioned. Um, what do you think, uh, Jason? I think it'll be interesting because one thing we haven't mentioned on this is the Euros will definitely have an effect on it. So, oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Euro twenty twenty is going to be the priority for a lot of uh, fans and probably. I'm not a marketing expert, but sort of the mar- the, the sort of age demographics that that uh, they may potentially buy the tickets, they'll be they'll be elsewhere they'll be elsewise engaged. I, I think I, I agree with you with that. I think that takes a bit of the market away from the baseball market because uh, the Euros are based what in Belgium and various other places because they weren't mm-hmm. to establish enough uh, playing grounds. So I know there's one at Wembley, and I think it's the same weekend as the major league games. So mm-hmm. um, I've, I know that I already looked at the place I was staying at last year. I had a great Airbnb. It was a 10 minute walk from the stadium. It was fantastic. Already gone. So I think you're already seeing people, you know, booking out the Airbnbs for that weekend. Uh, I think it's going to be a much tougher time uh, to get tickets down there and just find a place to stay. 
Um, I'm hoping, right? You know, I'm kind of cranky that way. I'm hoping that, that this will fail in a way, and that Major League Baseball will give up on the whole ridiculous experiment. Um, I, I was never a fan of the London series as an idea to begin with. Um, I don't particularly like London as a place. So there's, there's that. Uh, it's not something that I would ever be likely to make the trip to see. Um, but just, it's not fair on the players either. Not only are you dragging them further away from their families mid-season, but the physical demands and the physical toll that that travel must take on them, it's, it's not really worth it. So that's interesting you bring that up because I just read an article on uh, The Ringer, uh, one of the U.S. Uh, websites I read, and they were talking about the dirty secret of the NBA and its lack of sleep because the guys play a game till 10 o'clock at night, unwind for two hours, jump on a, a bus to go to the airport and then fly out three o'clock in the morning across country or two hours away or whatnot. And they said, that's the big thing. That's why you see so many people investing in um, biorhythms and sleep times is the fact that uh, these guys only get like four hour naps here and there. It's, it's highly unusual. They get like an eight hour sleep during the course of their season. Yeah, and although although we like to think of these athletes as being gods among men, and they're certainly paid handsomely, they are still human beings at the end of the day, and they need to rest. Um, I don't think that sticking and to to take a, the example of one particular player this past summer, to put six foot seven Aaron Judge on a plane to the UK and back, and have all the physical demands that come with the media tours he had to do. Um, he's a big guy, <laughs> and I would imagine that you know he must have been in quite a bit of discomfort. Overall, uh, when it was all said and done with the London series, uh, you know, I saw the pictures of the Red Sox playing. They did not look like they were in any kind of discomfort at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, when yeah. you think of it from a long-term standpoint, though, I think that that extra travel is unnecessary. I mean, it, it's a big difference. You know, it's it's the same distance as going from New York to London as it is New York to Seattle. So you normally wouldn't make that trip unless it was a start of the road trip. It's always the end of the road trip. You end up in the yeah. head back home. So, you know, for those guys, it, it's got to be pretty grueling. Um, I, I don't think I'll be seeing my London, my, my Seattle Mariners in London anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if ticket sales are bad enough, they might send the Mariners over. Oh, gosh, you know, with, with bringing that, I mean, uh, I think... Uh, 20, I think I read 2028 is when uh, the Rays were looking to uh, do their crazy split schedule with Montreal. And that could be the earliest thing that happened. So maybe if Montreal doesn't work out, they decide to split their season up in London. Well, you never know. Uh, with the way that Major League Baseball is trending at the moment, uh, you really never know. Um, but we'll get into that in more depth uh, next time. Uh, what do you say we uh, head to an interview with Paul if you have nothing else to add on that? No, I think that's good. Let's say uh, I'm going to say I will be at the London Games, regardless of how well attended it is or not. But I'll be down there for sure. Like I said, I'm not going to miss it. So, alrighty, you got your tickets already? No, I, I, I I'm trying to figure out another way to get tickets. Um, I'll probably wait to the secondary market the week before the games, and uh, awesome. as I got stung on it last year, we'll, we'll wait to this year and get it at a fraction of the cost. <laughs> um, well we will cover the London series among other things more as when we come back for next season and we're joined by Paul Convoy President of Baseball Scotland right now Jason, Paul, welcome to the show Hi, how you doing? Thanks Thank you very much on. for joining us uh, thanks for joining us man um, we would like to talk today about uh, a couple of things both the awards 
uh, bash a couple of weeks back in Aberdeen and also 2019 as a whole uh, and how you felt the season went. Obviously, it was your second, I believe, season as president of the league. Uh, yeah, yeah first, first full one, I think, officially, but yeah, <laughs> second, second technically. Excellent. Um, so let's start with the with that then. Talk us through how you felt the 2019 season went as a whole for Baseball Scotland. Um, how did it go for yourself? And um, sort of, was there, were there any new challenges that you had to kind of deal with? Obviously, with this being, as you say, your first full season, how did those challenges evolve over the course of the last season? Uh, to start off, I think 2019 was a huge success for for Baseball Scotland as a whole. Um, the league grew again with Aberdeen Express team joining. So there's two teams in Aberdeen, two in Glasgow, three in Edinburgh. Um, the the level of play just keeps getting better and better every year. We had sort of national success as well with the all-star team slash national team, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, it was, yeah, it was it was good. Um, so my first sort of full season taking charge of the league. I, I say that because I stopped playing this year. Uh, so I could focus on the league, and that was a that was a big change for me. <laughs> what prompted that decision, Paul? Uh, it was a few things. I, I think, well, personally, I felt to take us to the next level, um, we needed someone who was completely impartial at the at the head, whose whose goals were to cover the full league, not just one team or one club. Um, so I took a step back from, I used to play with the Edinburgh Giants, managed that team, so I took a complete step back from them and tried to look after the whole the whole of the Scottish League. Was that hard for you to step away from it? I said, uh, you know, playing for what, six years now, seven years? Just Seven, yeah. Seven years, you see, seven years in you, and it's just kind of like, okay, I got I to take a step back and I got to make sure the league keeps going and, and going the direction you want it to go. Yeah, that, that, that was in, incredibly hard. <laughs> I wanted to do it the season before, but I, I just couldn't. <laughs> um, so I said to myself, I'll give myself one last year. Um, and yeah, it was it was still hard at the end of it. I, I still really miss it as well. Um, you know, being part of a team, sort of the camaraderie, the the brotherhood. But I think uh, I think as we've stepped into this, uh, call it a new era, it's probably a bit a bit uh, <laughs> high level, but. This this new stage of baseball Scotland, it's I think it was important, and then of course I got that with the with the national team anyway, um, going down and sort of being the, the the coach as it were, going down to Kent and hosting the tournament in Edinburgh. So we'll get into the Kent tournament a little bit because we want to hear more about that. But uh, is the real reason you retired is you didn't want to face Sam Davidson as a as a batter? <laughs> 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 in all honesty, I'd have loved to face Sam. <laughs> I had the pleasure of umpiring a couple of these games, and just watching the the pitching coming in for that angle was was something else. Um, I'd have loved to have a, a few swings and misses at those. <laughs> I can, uh, I can, I can, I can categorically tell you, man, you you weren't missing much. It's uh, it's kind of uh, it's like a blur. <laughs> <laughs> So you've also stepped in. You've mentioned umpiring. So now you've been more involved with umpiring. I know we have uh, Wolfie's on his way out. Wolfie's been on his way out for a long time. Uh, <laughs> Joseph doing a fantastic job. Uh, how do yeah. you feel uh, behind the plate? I know it's a, it's a tough job. No one wants to do, but uh, did you enjoy it at least? 
I do enjoy it, yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, I mean, luckily enough, I had I have Joseph uh, as a superb mentor for that, and Thomas Haywood's helped me out a lot as well. Um, you know, teach me the ins and outs, mainly the proper stance, so I don't get murdered by the baseball as it comes off a bat. <laughs> it's happened a few times. Yeah, it's it's tough. Like I said, I, I've umpired a few games. Um, no one's ever happy. It's a thankless job. And uh, yeah, like I said, you, you get pelted by foul balls as well. It just makes the day even worse. So. <laughs> um, so how did the season start off for you guys? Like I said, I knew you guys were building up towards the Kent tournament. You also had the USA tournament. Um, were you guys going with a lot of uh, momentum thinking, okay, we've got a, a new team in here. I know it caused uh, a lot of chaos with the schedule. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so the, the the hardest bit was was a uh, fitting the schedule around the the two tournaments as well as the London series. We wanted to give all our players a chance to go down to London to watch that. Um, but the, the build up to the Kent, it, it was weird. Um, we were invited down by John Carter, the the man that runs the Kent Buccaneers baseball team. Uh, a fantastic ambassador for British baseball is John, and it's he invited us down and. It, he kind of sold it as a, a battle for Britain. And that was the name of the tournament as well, a battle for Britain. So we had no idea what level we were going to be facing when we do, went down there. Um, but me being the forever optimist, I was going down there to try and win, <laughs> do the best we can. And I was I was surprised that we were able to to play as well as we did, to be honest. We, we played fantastic. The guys we took down there were just phenomenal. Uh, did anyone from the team win any awards? And I know you guys won the tournament. But was there any individual awards that anyone walked away with? Yeah, the individual award, the pitcher of the tournament was given to to Sam. Um, the guy, he, he pitched uh, three games. In fact, not Tati, I was on the two games, I think. <laughs> Both games against the the, the Southwest League All-Stars. Um, and yeah, it was, it, it, was, it was something else in that tournament as well. And one thing I was wanted to, I wanted to ask you about was um, we're pretty isolated up here in Scotland. We don't get to play a lot of teams down south. Um, you said you weren't sure about how the competition was after seeing them. How did you feel like we compared to them overall? Um, just to see if the levels are still kind of similar or if they were more advanced. Or I, th- I think all I think we're all pretty level, to be honest. The the, the level of play in Scotland and and the the Northern League in England, as well as the Southwest League, um, and the AAA and AA levels at the BBF leagues, we're all running about the same. The West Midlands guys have started off the new league. They're bouncing probably AA single-A level, mm-hmm. but there's so much potential there. Um, and I think it's it's that that tournament is a testament to the the growth in British baseball, not just not just up here in Scotland, but British baseball as a whole benefited from that. And I know he's planning on doing it again this year, so we'll have to go back and try and defend our crown. Right, so does that mean you're going to invite Sam to come back over to make a guest appearance? <laughs> Funnily enough, he mentioned that. I didn't even mention it to him. He mentioned that. <laughs> I, may need to, I may need to temporarily come out of retirement as well for that, because I missed it this year. <laughs> More than welcome, John. More than welcome. <laughs> We'll make sure we find some sort of lecture. He has to be over here for seminary school, and uh, he has to, <laughs> happens to be the same weekend as that. So, 
Um, that's great. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see that you guys are doing so well. Um, it's it's awesome that you guys were able to do that. Um, let's talk about the USA tournament. Now, this is the second year we've had more. Was it the third? Am I am I forgetting it here? <laughs> it's a, the, the second time, I think. Just the second year. Okay. Yeah, second. Yeah. Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can we confuse them? <laughs> yes, second time. About this. It's the baby brain. John will know all about this in about you know a couple months, and he won't remember anything at all either. So, <laughs> so it's only the second year, and I was quite good at it. I wasn't around for um, but how did it go this year? It again. It was <laughs> we had no idea how how we would do. Um, we had, I would say, we had a stronger team uh, this for this tournament than we did last year, and a stronger team for Kent as well because we had a lot of the sort of the star players like Albert uh, Rodriguez, uh, Luke Bell, the Valentinus, um They were all available for uh, the Edinburgh tournament. Which they weren't down in Kent, so we had a really strong, strong lineup. But I think uh, the USA team are always going to be tough to beat. We started off playing them; we kept it tight for the first four innings, <laughs> the five inning game, um, and then they went ahead, and the time limit kind of got away from us because in tournament play you need to play time limits, especially one field, um, and they they ran out winners there, and then the. The Northern League, um, they they didn't perform as well as I thought they should. Or the league table down in Kent didn't show them as favourable as they should have been. They're, they're a really good team, um, and and their pitcher, the damn near no hitters <laughs> in, in, in our own in our own field. Um, I think it was Luke Pell got the only hit hit off him. But the pitcher pitched for the Cartmel Valley and the GB under twenty three teams. So. <laughs> He was good. Can't watch about that. You know, when you're going to bring a ringer, you're going to bring a ringer. So, <laughs> I don't think it, 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 it does play in the Northern Leagues. <laughs> it wasn't a ringer like we had. No, oh, no, I know that. My, my for one season and disappeared. But I mean, that also shows, the, you know, how well the coaching has been down south that you have, you know, so I'm playing in down that way and playing quite well for the, you know, the under 23 teams. I think they've done uh, quite well for themselves. I've been following them closer and closer now they retired. Have more free time yeah. to check media, so um, so that's quite exciting to see they're doing they're doing good. Yeah, yeah, the 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 GB setups uh, getting better and better every year as well. John, do you have any questions about that? Who who won the tournament? Uh, the the AU USA team won the won the tournament. It was the final between them and the Northern Northern League All Stars, Northern Knights. Uh, that was a fantastic game of baseball to watch, actually. I just sat back and scored it and just enjoyed every minute of it. <laughs> it, was, it was a pretty close game. I think I, I made it down there for maybe a half hour, hour before having to pop back out again. But yeah. um, it's going by really smooth. It was a really well-played game. Uh, it was. Close, yeah. In the aftermath of the games this year, did you receive any feedback from the Americans uh, regarding the progress that the teams have made? Uh, yeah, the, the, the two coaches... Um, Chris and Mike of the, the AU team, they both commented about one how much they love the fact that we we play baseball here in Scotland and the UK. Um that the level we're playing at. The sort of the lengths we have to go to just just to get a game in <laughs> always impresses them. But they mentioned how, how far we came on compared to last year. Um and they they actually they were out in Barcelona uh, before they came to us this year and they recommended to the 
the Spanish setup that we should get involved and try and get the Scots out there or the Spanish over here for for a little get together. So that's something we could definitely explore in the coming years. So I actually noticed today one of the teams is playing winter ball. It looked pretty nice out in Spain right now if they were playing winter ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I umpired uh, one of the university league games a couple of weeks back, Stirling versus Aberdeen, and that was – there's a reason it's a summer sport, you know. <laughs> so it was Baltic and the rain was sideways, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's all. That's great. I, 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 they've been trying to get that Australian League team for years going, so they actually got enough guys to show up and get a game going. Yeah, yeah. So the the University League now consists of two teams up in Aberdeen and one in Stirling. Um, and then that Edinburgh, they were close to getting a team set for the league, but I think some of the organisation kind of fell apart because it's 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 so hard running a club. Um, as as I know, you'll know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard to get people to volunteer, and you can only be pulled in so many directions at, at one exactly. time. Exactly. To the so. point that to the point that you just made, Paul. Uh, that's actually a question I wanted to ask, and I guess I'll just I'll jump in and ask it right now, if you don't mind. Um, what are some of the challenges that uh, maybe are similar uh, between running a club and running a league, and what are some of the challenges that you have now taken on as president that you would never have had to deal with leading a club? Um, how is it, I guess, to simplify the question, in what ways are the two similar and in what ways are they different from each other? Uh, they're similar in the fact that you've got to, you can't do it all yourself. You've, you've really got to try and get help and, and delegate where you can. And you've got to get people involved that, that want to be involved. Um, that's That goes without saying for club, league, anything. And luckily enough, we do have people dedicated to the sport here in this country that, that want to see it grow, want to see it improve. So I I get a lot of help from the, uh, the other clubs uh, doing things in the league. Where it differs, though, is then comes when you've got all these different clubs having input, it's trying to make sure everyone's happy. <laughs> um, not to say that you know they're, they're, there's any arguments or anything, but it's you've, you've got so many different views to try and consider and, and, and juggle to make sure that we're we are doing the best thing for Scotland and Scottish baseball. Great. Yeah, I know it's tough. I mean, uh, you got to keep everyone happy and you got to have the best interests of everyone in mind. So I, yeah. I, I know how complicated it is. <laughs> um, but then there's also some other challenges that, you know, you, you, you know you're going to be in the job for a little bit. You, you can kind of set a strategic vision for a few years and then, uh, you know, get everyone else to buy into helping you out to actually achieve yeah. So, so yeah. So it's, it's you know, first year is trying to figure out how it all works. Second year, you kind of feel a little more comfortable. And then my third year, you're like, okay, I know what I'm doing now. <laughs> That's what I hope's going to happen. <laughs> uh, you're doing a great job, so we don't have to worry about it too. Um, John, do you have anything else you want to add to this, or do you want to uh, get into end uh, uh, of year's uh, awards? Or um, well, one thing I would like to ask actually the both of you together in a way, um, how. Has the role of league president evolved um, since it was held by my co-host Jason uh, and now held by yourself, Paul? Um, between the two of you, would you in any way be able to sort of give me a, or give the listeners a, a kind of overview of how that role came to exist in Scottish baseball and how it has evolved to get to the point where it is now? Oh, gosh. Um, so it, it, 
kind of fell into my lap. <laughs> That's the best way of putting it. Um, Nick Clark, who was running the team before me, uh, was going to do it. He he had his second child, and and that was uh, kind of that was it for him. He was gonna he was gonna struggle to run anything, and um, I had the time to just kind of do it. So uh, I, I was lucky enough. There was only four teams there, um, and so it was fairly easy. The GBA team was mostly guys that were 14, 15. So it wasn't real hard to say, this is what we're going to do and uh, follow along with it and, and just kind of make sure everything was fair. Um, I want to say it was 2008. We had uh, the Northern Knights come and snatch a bunch of guys to go play in European tournaments, which almost killed the league off. Um, it was coupled with um, the Strathclyde Falcons folding three games into the season. So uh, not only that, I think we had about 10 rainouts that year. So it was, you know, we were just kind of just hanging together by a thread and then kind of turned it around 2009, 2010. Um, but then a lot of that had to do with, say, the Internet and social media and, and being more proactive to let people know we existed because um, it used to be just kind of word of mouth or you would see us training down um, at Holyrood Park. And it would be as simple as that. And they'd go, oh, there's baseball? Oh, great. How do I sign up and play there? So um, for me, it was more just kind of trying to spread the word that it's out there and then trying to get more people kind of involved in the game. So, again, you had kind of a, a setup that you can get people to uh, help out and do things. Um, and that was always kind of the first few years for me. And then once you kind of had everything established, it was trying to figure out a way to how to grow the sport more in, in other areas. Um, and try to engage with more people to kind of let us know that we were that we existed. So um, that was yeah. kind of what I always did when, when I was doing things back in the day. And how has uh, how has the role evolved? How would you say the roles evolved, Paul? Obviously, you have uh, three more teams that you're responsible for than 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 Jason had for the majority of his tenure. Um, yeah. With the uh, the new additions that we've had the past few years, uh, we have obviously an eighth on the horizon with the Dundee based team uh, looking like they'll be they'll be coming into the league next season. Is that a sure thing yet at all? Uh, as far as uh, speaking with Jason West, the man that's organising things out in Tayport, he's he's pretty much assured me there is going to be a Tayport team in the in the league in twenty twenty, which is superb. So you've kind of overseen um, this expansion. Um, in the first couple of years of the league, in what ways has that kind of provided new challenges to you uh, that maybe um, wouldn't have existed to Jason? And uh, how has that role that you're in now evolved over these last couple of years? Yeah, I think I think the sort of the, the role that the league president has. I'm I'm very lucky that the fact that Jason he did all the hard bit. You know, he 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 had us established. He had us a uh, well, not just. The, the league, but the, the the clubs involved as well, well established, and the people that were willing to have an input, having an input, um, all the all, all the groundwork and making people know we existed. Most of it was done. The social media setup that was all Jason. So I just had to sort of pick up the reins of that and make sure it just kept ticking over. Where where things have maybe changed now is with the 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 website. I suppose is a is a big thing. We tried to keep updating the website. We've now got a, a new and improved website. Um, we try and get a team to oversee that, so I don't have to do it because I'm not very good. <laughs> um, but what? It, it, oh, well, like I said, you don't have time to go and sit on the website <laughs> for an hour. To, you know, so you know, so you got to go and uh, hand yeah. this stuff off. I mean, I, 
I always hated Monday mornings because I was like, all right, I got to make graphics. I got to put all this stuff up. I, gotta put the website. <laughs> I will say that there is one bit I love about the website, and that's updating the stats. I love baseball stats. <laughs> I've no idea why. <laughs> but um, something that's sort of different for me in the sort of league president's role is trying to play the politics of, of British baseball a little bit because it's quite fragmented down south. Um, and I'm kind of off the attitude that we can all be separate, but still work towards the same goal. Um, so I'm trying to make contacts down south, and so far, so good. You know, the, the guys in the Northern League, Southwest, the, as I said, John Carter, who's part of the, the Kent Buccaneers and the BBF. Uh, and I was lucky enough to meet Jerry Perez, the BBF president, down in, down in London during the games. And we seem to have the backing of, uh, or not the backing, but at least the, the ear of, of Liam Carroll and Drew, Drew Spencer at the, um, the the GB teams. Um, so things are things are definitely looking up. <laughs> so how do you see the league evolving over the next year or two um, with the, obviously, outside of the team that we've already talked about, the Taste side, the Tayport team uh, coming into the league next season? How else do you see the league evolving over the next couple of seasons, Paul? Uh, in my in my ultimate goal, I'd like to see another two teams. I'd like to see us split into a, a, a two division type setup. Um, obviously, that will involve two more teams. Uh, we had we had the rumblings of a team up in Inverness uh, a couple of year back, but that's kind of fell on the wayside because the guy that was initially running it, he's now started a family and just can't commit and didn't get any extra extra help. But there's still a core of guys up there that. Are, that are interested. So if we can get that going off the ground, there's potential there. With the Stirling University team kicking off again, um, there's potential there to maybe try and start a team in Stirling as well. If we can get the university guys to, to branch out into the community a little bit. Um, obviously, it's, it's, it's all a big work in progress, but that's kind of part of my focus for the next, the next two or three years is to try and expand the league a little bit further. Do you see the structure of the league changing? Um, if, if these things do come to fruition, do you see the structure of the league changing? Do you see it maybe switching to kind of a divisional format or more like a sort of European football-style league? I, I will definitely try and keep, keep away from the, the football format type stuff. Um, it's, I think we'd have to go into a two-division setup, mm-hmm. um, which it, it wouldn't be a bad thing because that, that is one thing that's the hardest part of playing baseball in Scotland is the travel. You know, yeah. Edinburgh and Glasgow are just an hour apart. That's fairly simple. But when you've got Aberdeen and Tayport and if Inverness were to start up, that's a, a whole different kettle of fish. Because um, even Inverness, close to Aberdeen, it's still a two-hour two drive. <laughs> so logistically, it'd be a challenge. But we'd work it out. If, it was, if people want to play baseball, we will make, we'll make it happen. Um, I do remember when I first came into the league, there was talk of the borders. Um, did nothing come of that, or is there any? Has there been any further contact? I've, I've not heard anything for quite a while now. Um, it happens like every five years. Someone says, "Oh yes, I want to get a team going," <laughs> and it gets interest, and then nothing comes of it. You know, it's it, it's a real shame because again, you need at least three kind of keen guys that will just kind of you know fly the flag and and get their friends involved in that way. Uh, with one, you know, you, you can only do so much and people get disheartened. Uh, you know, oh, I put some time in and no one was interested. Um, you know, I, I was really impressed by what Jason West had done up in Dundee because he just seemed to kind of plant a flag and say, I'm doing this. And, 
everyone kind of flocked to him. Yeah, definitely. I was going to ask, we said, uh, are we having any um, movements with uh, the juniors? And I know um, Ritt's been doing the, the, the young guys there. I didn't know if I, I was going to help him out. I couldn't do it. So maybe next season I might be able to commit to anything. <laughs> but uh, I was wondering if you had talked to Ritt over the offseason and, and see if anything and tell with the juniors if there were maybe um, any talks. Of, I know Aberdeen occasionally has a team, and I know there was always someone in Glasgow asking if there was a junior team there. Well, I know at the end of the season there, um, Ritt had been in contact with someone in Glasgow who I, I had I was totally unaware of this until until Ritt had mentioned it. Um, for if you're not aware, John Ritt runs the Edinburgh Juniors. Um, and Ritt was going to take a team from Edinburgh through to, to Glasgow to play a game. I think it got rained off because it was the same weekend that was meant to be the Caledonia Classic final the first time round, um, which got rained off <laughs> through some spectacular rain. Um, but yeah, so I'm not quite sure what's going to happen there. Hopefully we can get in contact with whoever's in the setup in Glasgow. I think he's from the softball league, though. Um, I think he's from the Honey Badgers, if I'm correct, it? but I, I think that's all. That's the only team I know <laughs> on Glasgow. <laughs> yeah, but I've, I've got contacts in the softball league um, in Edinburgh, so hopefully I can get the contact details there and reach out. I know Ritt's doing a great job here in Edinburgh, and up in Aberdeen, they are doing, they are doing fantastic. Um, they've got a, a few people up there who are, who are volunteering a lot of time to to run a junior club up there. And they've probably got more numbers than than Edinburgh and Glasgow combined just now. Um, they're, doing, they're doing great. Oh, it's good to hear. Good to hear the juniors are kind of going in the right direction. I'm, I, I've been slowly pushing the girls in the baseball and it's not really taking yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, funnily enough, we have the, the beginnings of uh, the women's national team as well. Um, yet, yet to be formally named, but um, we've expanded the Edinburgh Unicorns to cover the the whole of Scotland. So it could be the Scotland Unicorns going forward or whichever name the the women decide to, to name themselves. Um, but that's that's something to look forward to as well. Um, we are still, I, I think it's confirmed, but not fully set in stone yet, but we have potential for a women's tournament to be held in Edinburgh uh, at the beginning of May next year with a high school team from wow. Canada coming over. Um, that's amazing. That's a really good that news. Some, that's amazing news. Uh, now, you have mentioned there uh, a couple of things. You've mentioned the uh, expansion of the, the league, the Caledonia Classic, and the women's uh, baseball that's beginning to uh, pick up steam here. Um, what would you say, Paul, is your proudest achievement that the league's made since you've been president? <laughs> Prof. Personal note, it has to be the the wind down in Kent. I mean that that genuinely was the happiest moment in my baseball playing. Well, not playing. I didn't play. I just held a clipboard. But <laughs> that was the, the the happiest and proudest moment in my in my tenure uh, playing baseball in Scotland. Definitely, it was it, it was something else. Excellent. So the kind of growth of the game um, in Scotland as a nation uh, was sort of. It's almost like a vindication of, of sorts for the progress that we've made uh, over the past few to, years. Yeah, sorry, John, not to interrupt. To give you an example, I went down to uh, the the BBF um, uh, annual uh, AGM, and I think it was about 2011 down in Birmingham. I think it's it's always at Birmingham, 
And I went and talked to uh, one of the head coaches down there. And I, I said, hey, I, I'm Jason. I run baseball up in Scotland. And he goes, what? There's baseball in Scotland? And then this is somebody that's been playing in the leagues. And, and you, know, you know, I know we've been unaffiliated since 2008. And he had no idea we even had any teams up in Edinburgh, let alone at that time. I think Edinburgh was the second largest uh, – had the most teams in the, in the country. So, you know, so it was nice to see that, you know, we were able to put our stamp on it and let us know that, yeah, we're, we're playing baseball up here and we're doing quite well at it. Speaking of doing quite well at it, let me uh, segue into the awards bash a few weeks back in Aberdeen, Paul. Um, yeah. We, either, I don't think, Jason, you weren't at the awards, were you? No, I wasn't. I, no, I wasn't, unfortunately, there either. Um, but uh, I presume that you would have been there, Paul. Yeah, yeah, I was up there giving the, the award um, presentation. So how did you feel overall the event went? Uh, I, I thought it was a, a huge success again. Uh, I'll offer thanks again to the Aberdeen Baseball Club who, who put on a great a great night for the league. It really is It's a fantastic night, not just for the, the awards and award winners, but to bring the whole league together to celebrate the season. Um, I think that's, that's something that's really important for these evenings. Um, yeah. And, and it was a big success that we almost had Hunter Pence up had they seen the, the, the tweets the numerous numerous tweets that I sent him <laughs> maybe next year Hunter will be lucky enough to make it to the bash yeah maybe <laughs> um, I think such a fitting year for it to be held in Aberdeen as well with the birth of the new team the Express and just how fantastic their opening season was they finished second in the league, and obviously we're runners up in the Caledonia Classic. Um, let's go. Let's uh, move into the the actual awards themselves. Then, league MVP was, I believe, Sam Davidson. It was, yeah. Um, this was our the way we the way we organise the votes just now. It's the team managers plus their captains plus one other representative that they feel is qualified to give the votes, um, and then any ties go to the umpires and the the league MVP is voted you players or voters were to name three names and I think all bar one person voted for for Sam wow. <laughs> um, and I will say though it was a very close call between Sam and Adam Murphy I think only one or two two votes were in it I joked to joke to Adam if he had voted for himself then you might have <laughs> <laughs> you may have had the award, <laughs> but but now as Sam as as mentioned mentioned the last episode of your podcast and earlier on today as well, he's he has something else. Oh yeah, there for, was a crazy start for our level. There was a crazy start that one of my teammates told me. Apparently, um, he struck out roughly two thirds of all batters that he faced this season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he had an ERA of of one, uh, a whip of point six five. Oh and goodness. a K9 of 18.67. <laughs> so yeah, roughly oh, two strikeouts or almost three strikeouts <laughs> there. Wow, that's yeah. insane. <laughs> Over two strikeouts per inning. So what we need to have him work on is the catcher to drop more uh, strikes, uh, called third strikes. So <laughs> oh dear. Um, so yeah, I think Sam... Overall, probably well deserved as the MVP winner. Um, why don't you run us through the Gold Glove Award winners then, Paul? 
Yeah, uh, let me load these up. Um, so yeah, the the, the gold gloves. Um, the gold glove catcher uh, was Jared Tomley of Aberdeen Express. Um, the first base winner was Jason Stott of Glasgow Galaxy. Um, second base went to Jim Sihar of Glasgow Galaxy. Third base was Adam Murphy of the Edinburgh Giants. And shortstop was Miguel Del Rosario of the Edinburgh Cannons. And the three outfielders were Ryan Quantrill of the Edinburgh Cannons, Jacob Wright of Glasgow Galaxy, and Danny Quinn of the Glasgow Comets. Now, am I right to understand Danny yeah, Danny was rookie this year? Danny was the Glasgow uh, Rookie of the Year winner as well. Yeah, Danny was um, a rookie in this league this year. He played as a youngster uh, many, many moons ago. Um, but after, I think it was a 14-year gap, he came back. Um, so he, he's been out of the game since he was uh, about 16, I'd, I'd say. Yeah, that's impressive. Like I said, like uh, you know, to come uh, not play for fourteen years and come back and win a win a gold glove. Yeah, what I can tell you from my personal experience playing alongside Danny in our outfield this past season um, is just having him in centre field, and I I was usually in left. It made you feel so safe and secure, um, and he elevated everyone in the outfield that was in the outfield with him um, to be a better player. Um, You would never. If you, you know, sometimes you might feel anxious uh, about trying to field a ball or run a ball down. That was never the case when you were playing alongside Danny because you knew that he was either going to get there first, which happened uh, eight times out of ten, or in those two times out of ten that you had to make it, um, he was going to he's going to be there to support. And it just took a lot of the pressure off when trying to field yeah. a kind of tough play. Um, I, I, I definitely did... felt that he made me a better outfielder um, playing alongside him, and I think that that's. Uh, that's a well-deserved Gold Glove award for for Danny. Uh, I, I I do remember one play he made out in centre field, one of the games I was umpiring, and he ran a a, a good distance um, and made this diving catch, which most people in Scotland when they dive they go to the length of themselves, which for Danny's not a lot because he's quite a short guy, but he just seemed to fly through the air and just catch this ball, and it was <laughs> it was one of the ones that everybody sort of stood and the bar couldn't help but applaud it. It was, it was a fantastic play. Yeah, it really um, stuck in my mind. Twenty one, the gold glove. That's that's well deserved. Absolutely, he moves very graciously. Um, uh, and yeah, absolutely, uh, completely agree. He made quite a few plays like that uh, when I was playing alongside him in the field, and I was <laughs> kind of standing mouth agog, uh, just completely baffled by how he even first got to the ball, and uh, also just how easy he would make it look. And especially considering the long layoff that he's had uh, of about yeah. 13, 14 years without playing baseball, um, he slotted into our lineup uh, as if he had been been here the entire time that I've been playing, um, and he was a very valuable bat for us as well. That's great. It's always good to see the new players come in and do so well. It's always encouraging. Uh, so the the other awards would be the Silver Slugger Awards, or am I right in saying that's known as the Haggis Basher here? <laughs> the the Haggis Basher Award that's the the home run the home run winner yeah, we oh. award that one too <laughs> that's the Haggis Basher um, so this year there was there was sixteen players in total hit home runs um, ten hit one each uh, a few guys hit two and uh, Albert Rodriguez of the Comets he topped the table with five home runs this year. Yeah, 
Yeah, uh, my boy Albert. I believe I was present at all the games he homered in. There was one in particular that I think was against the Cannons, where he hit two. Um, the first one was, uh, I believe he pulled it to left centre, and it was a nice fly ball. The second was an absolute laser shot to right field into the swamp. I think that might have been, a, <laughs> might have been against the Giants. I think I was, was, I was told the, about that game. It was it was either the Cannons or Giants. It may have been yeah. the Giants. Um, I think we, we put quite a large number of runs on the board, and uh, most of them were put up by Albert. And uh, in particular, the two the two plays from that game that I remember are, are Albert just absolutely belting that second home run. Um, at one point, I was... Uh, I was just waiting for the crash of one of the windows and the houses across from the field breaking that left the field so quickly. I've only seen a ball leave that that field once in Edinburgh. <laughs> so it doesn't happen all too often. <laughs> no, I was always afraid when John Nelson is playing that he put one an outside pitch up on there with just a flick of his wrist. I was the only person that was afraid it was gonna break yeah. Break a car. So I think it was, it was Matt Cote who played with the Giants uh, in twenty eighteen. He was a lefty as well, so it didn't didn't help our short right field. But yeah, he, he bounced it on the road and it bounced above one of the doors. Everyone's heart was in their mouth at that point. <laughs> so don't hit a window. <laughs> <laughs> we can't afford it. So you know what was fun? I remember actually measuring to see how short it was. And it's short, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, it's uh, about two sixty five out to the bottom of that hill. But I measured uh, left field, and it's only two sixty to seventy at the left field, depending on how short or yeah. far you set it up as well. <laughs> so I always thought that was funny. I always complained about how short right field was. Now with a swampy day, it yeah. come in a few more feet here and there. But everyone was oh, right field so short, but left field was just <laughs> as short. Now center field, we'll talk about center field. <laughs> the defense says defense, so center field can be four eighty. <laughs> <laughs> It's a hitter's park, is uh, is Bobby Thompson. <laughs> uh, yeah, it all depends yeah. on who sets the fence up that day. So uh, yeah. <laughs> never quite the same one twice. <laughs> so um, why don't you why don't you run us through the winners at Silver Slugger then, Paul? Yeah. Um, so Silver Slugger, the the catcher was uh, Jared Tomley again off the the Express. Um, the pitcher was Luke Powell. Um, the first base went to Tom Knox of the Edinburgh Giants, um, one of the leading hitters of the of the year. Second base was Jim Sehar. That man is just a phenomenon. <laughs> um, third base was Adam Murphy. He had the highest uh, average of of the in the league at zero point six on one. I think, yep. Um, shortstop was Albert Rodriguez. Try to find his stats here. Yeah, Albert, uh, second highest average in the league, but his, his slugging was up at 0.93. You know, absolute monster of a, of a hitter. Um, the outfield silver sluggers were uh, Jacob Wright of the Galaxy, Rencontrill of the Cannons and Federico Gambadotti of the Granite City Oilers. Now, Federico also pitched at times, didn't he? Yeah, Fed- Federico's one of these players that he's he can play almost anywhere. <laughs> so uh, how we how we sort of did the voting was we we just asked players to vote for um, asked the voters to to pick the the best hitters, 
because in Scotland we have that many people that filter through different positions. You can play four different positions in a season, so it's hard to nail you down as as one. <laughs> um, play that many games. Yeah, then there's eighteen games, and yeah, you, you can play. <laughs> you can probably manage to play every position twice if you really wanted to. So. Uh, yeah, I can attest to that. I think I, I logged time at left, centre, right and second and it was probably, I probably played about an equal amount of time at my kind of natural position at left as I did uh, at second base this year. So that's absolutely the case, I think. And also, um, it depends on who shows up week to week. This is something that Jason has mentioned quite a few times uh, and it is kind of a a major factor in this league that doesn't maybe exist uh, in any of the other leagues, possibly down south even. Um, just the kind of consistency of lineups and stuff like that is always subject to change. Yeah, it, it definitely can be. It's, it's one thing we're, we're getting better at, I will say, but it's some days it can be a real struggle for teams. Um, and I, th- I think if, if you look at the teams near the sort of lower end of the table, that that was the that that was the case this year. Um, I know yourselves struggled a bit, uh, John. The Comets this year, the Devils and the Oilers were the same. Um, and the consistency of uh, Galaxy's lineup, although they had a few changes here and there, the the solid core they've got is is part of their part of their winning strategy. I think that's why they're so dominant. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree with you. And if you look at two other teams uh, as uh, as examples as well, the uh, Aberdeen Express found a core as the season went yeah. on, and they ended up romping through to second. The Cannons. Uh, on the flip side of that, they started the season with a very kind of set up, a very well set up core of players. Um, mm-hmm. They started, they came out of the blocks absolutely flying, obviously with the injury to Sam and a few other factors. They did yeah. kind of drop off toward the end, but absolutely, I think you're right. The uh, the presence of a kind of strong core and a consistent lineup uh, yeah. is definitely I mean, something that can't be... That was a turnaround in the Giants season as well. You know, the, the Giants were almost a mirror of the Cannons year. The Giants yeah, started exactly, off very, yeah. very, very badly and then they went, uh, I think, an eight-game winning streak at one point. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was eight, it yeah. was either seven or eight. I think it was mm-hmm. eight wins in a row, which in this league is quite insane. <laughs> yeah. Was he playing maybe cricket beforehand? So the, the hand-eye coordination and the tracking the balls? It might have been a softball. I, I wouldn't want to say for sure because I, I don't honestly know, but he's he's from Canada. Um uh, he's, I think he's over here studying. But yeah, he's he, he played short and third for the the express team, um, and did a good job. <laughs> All right. So, is there any awards we've missed? We've got silver slugger, and we've got Parton glove or gold glove, um, and we've covered rookie of the year. Was was there one for each team, it's, or was it just uh, it's one each overall? city we try and do? It, and because we have that many rookies, um. And the work some of them put in, I think it definitely deserves deserves credit. Um, so we mentioned the Glasgow Rookie of the Year was was Danny Quinn. The Edinburgh Rookie of the Year was uh, Martin Clark of the Edinburgh Cannons. Um, so one of the guys I've had the pleasure of of coaching. Martin's very coachable. You know, you you can help him improve, and he picks it up, he listens, and he tries his hardest each and every time. And you can see the Martin improvement for the start of the season to the end of it. Um, and then one guy who I I did contest if he was an actual rookie or not. <laughs> Up in Aberdeen was uh, Shane Shures um, at the Aberdeen Express. This guy had a fantastic season. And it genuinely was his, his first year 
playing playing baseball, or at least competitively. Um, I'm led to believe. Yeah, that would, that would make a difference. With that. Just enough prior experience to kind of know what you're expecting that would that would definitely make a, a bit of it. But, you know, if that's who they vote for the rookies, then yep. that's who they vote. Um, the other awards we gave out, um, I decided to sort of try and reward uh, not just sort of performance in the league. And I wanted to give a couple of awards for um, like just attitude to baseball. So I called it the President's Award for lack of any other name. <laughs> uh, and I, I, I gave it to both Ren Quantrill of the Cannons and Connor Smith of the Oilers. Um, both Ren and Connor, their their attitude to the game is is next, second to none. Um, they're the first on the training field, the last off it. They want to improve and learn so much. They put so much time and dedication into it. Both of them travelled down to down south to try out for the GB under twenty three teams. Ren made the, the expanded roster. Um, Connor was un, unlucky but he was he was encouraged to keep trying um, and I think he went down again recently to try out and he's made the performance academy down there so they've seen potential oh, down there so that's that's fantastic we've now got two two young athletes in the in the GB setup down there um, which I, I think they're good ambassadors for the league um, as well you know two phenomenal young men I mean that's fantastic that we're getting people into the into the performance academies and the, the teams there. I mean that just shows um, how well things are being run and we're finding talent and actually developing talent. Just kind of instead of just going, okay, it's Sunday, it's noon, <laughs> here's the balls, pass the helmets. All right, five yeah. hours later. So um, that's fantastic news um, that we've got two guys out there and hopefully more to come. So. That is the plan. <laughs> And so what was the, did you just wanted to give them the award because you saw the hard work there and make sure they were recognized for the rest of the league who may or may not know them. I know it's hard now. Um, you may see a team two or three times a season and, and with people's schedules, you may not see those players there. So, um, so we felt it was just time to show, um, show them that they are working hard. And they, they can. Yeah, that, that was definitely part of it. Um, as I say, I, w- I wanted to, reward things that's not just performance-based in this league because a lot of it, as you just said, a lot of it's just turning up and playing baseball. You know, if you're good, you're good. <laughs> but when you're beyond a rookie, um, there is, and there's, there's so much more to do in the league than just turn up and play baseball. So, you know, the next time this award might go to someone who's volunteering a lot of time or, or you know, there's various things this, this award can grow into, but but for this year, I definitely wanted to to reward both Ren and Connor for for all the work they've done. One thing that I did notice a lack of this year was Hall of Fame inductees. Uh, was that by design, or did you just feel that there wasn't a particular soul that that warranted that nod yet? Um, yeah, there's there's a couple of names on the on the list that that I personally want to add, but it. It can't just come from from me, you know. It's it's, it's got to be a full a full league vote. Um, there was one name that we were going to add to the to it this year, but uh, he wasn't able to make the the ceremony. So, <laughs> um, the chances are he'll be added in the in, in next year. But I won't name who that is, obviously. <laughs> 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 so we've got a secret, secret, secret nominee that we'll find out next year. So, yes. so 
curious to find out who it is. You can either wait a year or go to the yeah. awards show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I have nothing else to add unless you do, Jason. No, I think we've, we've kind of covered the season. Um, we've done a good job to kind of find out what was going on. I know uh, I get a lot of uh, people getting in touch from the States and North America asking about what the league's like out here. So they're always curious to see how things go and what the level of ball is. Uh, and they're, they're always curious to see, you know, what the, uh, the awards are. Uh, and they love all the award names. So um, I think that's fantastic. Um, I know they'll, they'll, they want to know um, where they can get stuff and, and follow more about the teams. Um, so, so we'll definitely have you on again, Paul, uh, before the season starts and maybe give us an update on what's going down. Um, and what happened during this offseason? I know there's probably a few things in the pipeline yeah. we can't chat about yet. So, and let's not forget if you're if you're listening to the show for the first time and you want to get out and, and and support Scottish baseball in any way possible, you know, please feel free to get in touch on uh, what's it, Facebook's probably the best. Yeah, uh, Facebook, Twitter. I think the the Instagram account still there with with, with yourself, and I believe the yeah. Instagram. Account is still there. <laughs> <laughs> but so Instagram, so. So Facebook or Twitter is probably the best way to reach out. So if you want to get involved and help out in any way possible, uh, no matter how big or small, you know you can reach Paul on Baseball Scotland on Facebook or Twitter. So uh, I think that's it for uh, this week's show. Again, Paul, thanks a million for coming on. It's been, it's been a lot of fun catching up and, and hearing about what the exciting uh, season, the 2019 season has been. Um, that's all for me. Okay, thanks a lot for coming on, Paul. Cheers. So that was our chat with Paul Convoy. Uh, thanks again to Paul for coming on the show. It was, uh, I think, we got some great insights into how the league run uh, and uh, a kind of great overview of the awards ceremony and how things uh, have progressed for the league as a whole over this season and over the past couple of years. Um, Jason, let's wrap it up. Uh, where can people find ball caps and bagpipes on social media? So mainly you can find us on Facebook. Uh, we have our Twitter account. It's been unlocked from Twitter jail. Uh, we'll be using that much more uh, in the coming weeks. Um, try to build more of a, a following on there. Um, and uh, you can follow me at Bubba on Baseball on all the social media accounts. I mostly spend my time on Instagram, but you occasionally see me on Twitter and I'll post stuff on Facebook. Listen to the show what at anchor.fm slash caps and pipes. Or search ball caps and bagpipes on uh, your podcast distributor of choice. We're everywhere. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the works. Um, that with that in mind, uh, what have you got for us today in this day, this day in baseball history? So funny enough, you seem to pick the days to record when I have Yankee history. Did you see which <laughs> one it was? <laughs> You'll have to refresh my memory. So today. Uh... The Hall of Fame waived the normal five-year uh, waiting list to vote on a player to be named in the Hall of Fame. So uh, earlier this season, uh, Lou Gehrig uh, came down with what is now ALS, which is now known as Lou Gehrig's yeah. disease, and he retired in May. And they voted to waive the five-year waiting list and induct him immediately into the Hall of Fame. Now tomorrow, all going well. Another great Yankee might uh, be added to the hallowed halls. Um, one who is very near and dear to my heart. I have no idea who this player could be. Uh, is it, uh, let me see, Felix Fermin? <laughs> um, that would be Mr. Thurman Lee Munson, um, who potentially could be taking his rightful place, in my opinion, in the Hall of Fame at long last uh, tomorrow. Uh, he's on the 
what's is it the legacy ballot they call it? Yeah, so they're going back and revisiting a few yeah. players uh, from uh, it's the legacy ballot. Yes, and there's there's quite a few guys I grew up watching in the '80s that I'm very curious to see if they make it or not. So I think with Harold Baines making the Hall of Fame, it opens up a few more doors to a couple guys who are really good for a couple of seasons, or great for a few seasons, and then kind of good the rest of it. So. Um, but yes, I did see Thurman Munson was was going to be on the ballot. So I know who you're pulling for. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what are your thoughts overall on the legacy ballot and the kind of revisited? Do you do you feel like it's a good thing, or do you feel like the way it's structured um, should be kept as it is, where it's you get the you know the limited number of uh, attempts and then that's it? Because uh, I know a lot of people who maybe if that limit wasn't in place would have reached the Hall of Fame. Uh, have ended up not getting in because of like not getting the votes. You know, I'm torn on this. Like as a tra- traditionalist in me says, you know, it should be just the greats and the people who stayed a great career throughout the whole time. You know, um, uh, but you know, if you look at some really dominant players at that time that just maybe were good for four or five years, or great for four or five years, and then good the rest of their but just didn't have it. Uh, of course, you have advanced statistics to show that players are much better now, or they had uh, stats you didn't know about, uh, you know, uh, um, or they played in places you just never heard anything. You know, Tim Raines was a big example of that, where he played basically in Montreal, no one knew about him unless he was playing in your city um, on the road. So, uh, you know, I'm all for it. Uh, you, know, you might as well let these guys in. I mean, uh, I think the big one is. Uh, Dale Murphy. I was always a big fan of Dale Murphy for the Atlanta Braves, and he was tremendous in the early '80s. And I grew up watching him on TBS, so so I'm kind of rooting for Dale to maybe get <clears throat> get into the Hall of Fame. I think it'd be great. And uh, how many how many would get in through the legacy ballot? Oh, oh gosh, I don't know how many they allow. Is it three or four? Did you know off the top? Uh, of I don't, unfortunately. It might be. Is it going to be similar to the way that the usual ballot is, where it'll be a percentage of votes that are needed, or? Uh, you know what? I need to look into this because I. We don't need to know. look into it. We'll revisit that then, um, because we'll we'll, we'll revisit that uh, at some point. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's call it a day. All right. It's always good, and uh, let's look forward to. Next time we do this, and uh, let's play too. Indeed, man. Indeed. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us, folks. Uh, join us again next time. I've been John McKellar. And I've been Jason Durr. Thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. Bye bye.